Welcome to a grand edition of ARG Presents. I'm your good pal, your good buddy, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who's trying to prematurely put me in the ground. I give you the Brent. Aaron, you've been buried for so long, we'd have to dig you up to put you in the ground. You don't have to say it, Brent. You don't have to say <laughs> it to people. So, last week, after a contentious, fiery debate, we spun the wheel and we made the interesting deal, as this week the Brent, well, we'll get into it, but we the thing we spun on the wheel was the F8, which is a processor, and the thing it goes in, among others, is the Grandstand Video Entertainment Computer which is what we're going to be covering this week. You can also sort of call it the Fairchild Channel F2, among other names, but we'll get into it. Britt, we played the Fairchild Channel F way, way back in like episode 74, I believe, a long time ago. What do you what do you remember about that system? I remember being very disappointed. <laughs> well, this week, I guarantee your mind will be changed because we got two awesome games. But I want to get into this a little bit because it, this was a very wacky week. Uh, for yours truly, uh, trying to pin down which system we were going to play. Yeah, uh, the, Let's talk about the processor a little bit, and then we'll sort of talk about uh, what games and what systems you could actually uh, mess around with this thing. Again, the one we chose was the Grandstand Video Entertainment Computer, which is effectively the UK version of the Fairchild Channel F2. So let's talk about the processor uh, first of the brand. So the uh, the F8, of course, was designed. Uh, the, basically, it was it was designed uh, by Fairchild, and it was worked on by a fellow named Robert Noyce. And he eventually, Noyce. yeah, he if he, Noyce, he he was on the design team. And then get this, Brent, he got tired of Fairchild. He wanted to go out and do his own thing, so he went out and started a little company called Intel. Intel, <laughs> yes. So he went from working on the chip we're talking about today to go to work at <laughs> Intel. Um, the uh, this thing was in the notably the Fairchild Channel F, which was designed by a fellow named Jerry Lawson, again using the F8. The F8, according to uh, the notes I've got here, a very is very complex compared to other circuits of the day. Uh, it's basically got more computing power than most of the other the other chips that were around. Uh, the graphics on this thing. It could go uh, 128 by 64 with one with 102 uh, times 58 pixels, it which is 60, impressive. It had 64 bytes of RAM. Bytes? Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> wow. This thing, the F8 was the first processor that allowed video game machines to have an what you would consider an AI. Everything up to this point had re- had basically required two players. So what you're seeing here, uh, we can go through this. There, basically, this is considered a, a, a second generation console, and really, this the changes between the uh, the F uh, the uh, Fairchild Channel F and the Fairchild Channel F2 slash Grandstand Video Entertainment Computer are uh, they're there, but they're modest changes, and so this yeah, is still very minimal. Yeah, it, it considered along those lines. Now, the the of course the first generation of of uh, home consoles would be your Pongs, uh, that your Odyssey Ones, that sort of thing. So this was a step up from that, at uh, uh, a pretty significant step. Oh, absolutely. So uh, the Fairchild Channel F, the first one, uh, it came out uh, in like, like it was like 76. It was real early in the game. Yeah, August of 76. Retailed for $169.95, which that's... That's pretty good money. <laughs> oh yeah, back in those days. Now the the Fairchild Channel F two came out a couple years later. Now what what was different on it? Well, for starters, this thing had it, uh, uh, joysticks that actually could be removed from the console. The original Fairchild Channel F had joysticks that were hardwired in. I want to talk about the joysticks on this thing for a second too. By the way, <clears throat> they the picture a stick that you would hold in your hand with no base. That was yeah. the joystick on these things. And you actually Not had good. on top of it, you had like a, almost like a little plunger or something, didn't you, Brent? Yeah. That you would actually, uh, you could actually push down for the button and you could actually hold that handle and swivel the little top part. It gave you swivel controls. So you actually had a lot of functionality in these sticks. What do you think about these joysticks, man? They're, they're garbage. 
I mean, I, I oh, let me back up. I guess I've never technically used one, but that concept is garbage. You're kidding. Why? Well, I think you, that's kind of hands would get so tired. Not being able to, because you basically, you have to hold them in front of you, right? I mean, right. pretty much that would get very tiring. I think that, I think it's neat. That it's got that little mushroom top that you can that you can use as a joystick and spin around. Yeah, it's a it's a mm. it's a uh, precursor to the analog stick that we all know, use, and love today. Well, one thing pads. one thing you got to remember is that they had nothing to base what they were doing on. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> this was literally they were breaking ground for everyone. Well, now, no, I don't think that's fair. I, I think they obviously get inspiration from arcade controls of the day well again this is you're talking the early uh, mid 70s to late 70s there wasn't yeah. a lot to base it on let's put it that way That's you gotta fair. think <clears throat> there weren't a lot of games even back then most of them used buttons there weren't a lot of joystick games now mm, i don't probably really agree with that we'd have to go into a, a deep historical dive to determine that <laughs> um you're probably asking yourself okay you had the fairchild channel f1 then you've got uh, the fairchild channel f2 why did they bother? Well, the reason they bothered was the Atari 2600 came rolling out and was stomping a mud hole in the uh, for, for Child Channel F. Yeah. And so they were like, well, this is we got to get something cooking here. And so cook they did. Now, um, you're also asking yourself, why the Grandstand Video Entertainment Computer? Well, I just picked that one because I thought it was, I like the name, frankly. There were a bunch of different knockoffs of this thing. So, the the, the uh, Adman Grandstand uh, Channel uh, Entertainment Computer was the UK version. If you were in Belgium, uh, you got the Barco Challenger, which oh. is also a good name. I know. Sounds like a chair. Yeah. <laughs> Italy got the Dumont Video Play. And if you're <laughs> in Sweden, you got the Luxor Video Entertainment Section, also good. These are all great names, by the way. The Luxor. That's awesome. That's pretty that. good. The DeMonte sounds like a fruit cup. <laughs> if you're in Germany, them, had, my friend. In Germany, they had variants of this called, including the Saba video play, which I actually saw some sounds Saba. Sounds like a wrestler. <laughs> I saw some Saba cartridge boxes. Most of these would just play Fairchild Channel F, but some of them had different boxes, which I thought was kind of neat. But you, uh, I, you, you, you can either play the Saba video play, the Nord Mede teleplay, and the ITT telematch. All those were in Germany. So you got a, a bunch of different stuff there, uh, which is kind of neat. Um, so I looked up the Grandstand in particular. Uh, this thing, again, was about, about the same price as the other ones. One of the differences on this one was, if you look, uh, if you're watching at home and you, see the, and you see the top of this thing, you'll notice that there's a... Uh, there's that thing that says hit, hit here to eject. It's just, it looks like you're just pushing on top of the console, and you are. That's a, the old F, uh, the uh, Fairchild Channel F1 had an actual button for an eject. This one, you just push down over top of where the cartridge goes in, and it just pops right out. It's pretty neat. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't know how they did that. I'll be honest with you, but I'm sure it's a lot uh, easier to, to mechanically work than actually having an eject button. Um, the Fairchild also had this gimmick, which the Atari has too. You would have a game with like a bunch of variant games on it. Like, uh, <clears throat> so for example, my bowling game, I think had like is eight or sixteen different games you could play. Now, when I say nah. different, <laughs> when I say different, I mean like different speeds, different amount of players, and maybe some different game variants. You know, a lot of the uh, Channel F carts had multiple games on the cartridge you know uh in fact quite a few of them did so but i mean some of them would have like tic-tac-toe and some kind of art program something you know or like walk around in a maze you know most of the stuff was pretty uh let's say basic uh brand by, by modern standards um so but still it was kind of neat to get that extra value now you may be asking yourself well hell the the Fairchild Channel F two sounds just exactly like the Fairchild Channel F. It Bam. wasn't ex it wasn't exactly the same. Is that what you were asking yourself, Brent? Well, <clears throat> I, I know one major difference was you could actually play the sound through your television, right? That's that's right. Very good, dude. That you could actually the sound on the original Fairchild Channel F came out of a speaker that was inside the actual console. They now routed the sound through the RF. 
there were minor modifications to give the F2 some extra uh, jack. And the unfortunately, now this is, I'm telling you, the F2 slash grandstand had six unique games released for it. Okay. That's, that's that I've read that line everywhere. I have no idea what the games were or where to get them. I looked everywhere to try to find yeah. some of these exclusive titles. Did you have any luck even getting the names of those? I know one of them was called Big Sports. Uh, but I honest I, I saw a list of what I believe <clears throat> the six games were. Yeah. And the unfortunately the only one I actually remember is Big Sports. They they didn't do well. I guess it's the yeah, this, yeah, 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 they're lost. They're lost the time. Yeah. It's funny. Now, I, I do want to get into one more thing before we move on. This was not our original choice for the F8 processor. The F8 was in a bunch of different uh, yeah. units, and this was just one of them. And we, since we looked at the Channel F, I was trying to find what, so one of the other things it was in, because it was in several other things. And one of the things that the, that the processor was in was called the Video Brain, okay? Yes. The Video Brain looked awesome. It had its own unique games, but I couldn't get the emulation to work. And I had help in Discord uh, from, uh, you know, with someone who actually, I've got all the ROMs for it. In fact, I want to I want to mention this person's name. It was Z9K9. He's in, he's in the room right now. It's yeah, funny. Eric Nelson also uh, was helping us out with that video brain project. Oh yes, uh, I, yeah. and, and that will that that will come to pass. We just have to. Yeah, Eric actually sent me the ROMs, which that 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 helped a lot. So I, I we appreciate. It. Thank you for pointing that out, Z9. Uh, but the emulation on it just I couldn't get it working right, it, it, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to not be able to play the games properly and then try to sit here and. And, and cast judgment on a man. Yeah. And I, and Brent was the same way. So I've got all my research for the video brain and somewhere down the line, once I get that set up, the video brain will be on the list. I've, I've read that the video brain is, has a core on the mister. And if that's the case, I'll go around and beat boat up, take the mister and then bring it home and we'll play it. So that's possible. Um, the grandstand lingered around Brent until, I mean, and this, you're going to be, there's a margin of error here, but it lingered around to like 84, if you can believe that. So a good no, while. I, I, but I, mean, I honestly of, think you're lying. It sort of shambled <laughs> forward like a zombie before ultimately the the Atari 2600. And then, of course, the Atari was followed fairly quickly on by the Intellivision, the ColecoVision, and other, you know, the Odyssey 2. Uh, those machines were all there to, uh, to uh, you know, compete. And this thing was at by that point was so uh, archaic looking and and simple that it just got you know forgotten in the midst of time. With all that said, uh, and the fate of the F eight sealed, uh, we picked a couple games for this bad boy, uh, Brinster. I'm going to lead the dance this week. Now listen, before we start off on these games, uh, uh, these are pretty remedial games. Uh, but I, I will say I did play that. I played both of them quite a bit, as much as one can. And <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, <laughs> I think Brent's pretty much the same way on it. Uh, the, these games aren't gonna. They're not gonna. Uh, we're gonna have to go into a lengthy description here. You know what you're getting within the first five minutes. Yeah. You know what you're getting when you look at the title. Yeah. Like, what, what are what this game's yeah. about? Well, let me tell you, my game was straight up bowling. Yep, because back when the Fairchild Channel F came out, you could just name them that because no one else had. That's right. They were the first. They were like, "Screw it, it's bowling, man!" So, and that's what they named it. So this was Bizarro Week, and so Brent picked my game and vice versa. I don't think we did each other any favors on this one. Uh, oh but, no, uh, I do. I think we were very kind to each other. Well, it could have been a worse. Lot of stinkers. Yeah, I could have uh, put you right down Math Alley if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a valid point there. So uh, let's talk about bowling. Bowling was Video Cart Twenty One. I should mention that the uh, Fairchild Channel left the carts were numbered, which I, I think love kinda, that. By the way, I it is kind of neat. Co- I wish yeah. all consoles did that. This game was developed and published by Fairchild, uh, or uh, their full name, Fairchild Camera and Instrument Corporation, because that, that was sort of their bag. And then they went down the road of, of, of processors. Uh, re- my game was released in 78 uh, and is a bowling game. I know, st- <laughs> stunning, yeah. right? Well done. <laughs> uh, 
I will <laughs> say you over. Yeah. So these games, I mean, I will say one thing about the Fairchild. The, I like the boxes. I like the, the cartridges are bright yellow. And they're as big as like an eight track tape almost. They're huge compared yeah. to like a 2600 cartridge, you know. And so the, they do, they're, they're actually sort of attractive. The box art, they're reflective of the time. Like Absolutely. on mine, it's got bowling pins with the kind of uh, Atari esque stripes around them, like the glow and that kind of like brown that you would expect from that era. But I find them, I mean, they would, I could see where these cartridges would be very collectible just by the, the box art. I should also mention that the 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 I saw multiple boxes for both our games today uh, from for various uh, different uh, clones of the Fairchild, like the Samba. I, I saw uh, that's one I saw for mine. I think I saw it for yours too, Brent. And I will say they were literally different boxes. Like they would have completely yeah. different art. So that's kind of neat too. That so you could actually go out there and get all those variants. Because it's not like there's a crap load of these things, but th- they sold enough of these things. I believe the Fairchild Channel F originally sold. I think they sold like a quarter of a million of these things in the first in the first year or two. So there's they're out there. It's not like they're super easy to find, but they're out there and people have them. So let's talk about bowling. Well, anyone ever been bowling? Because this is pretty much bowling. Picture a <laughs> <No>. snow. <laughs> It's bowling if instead of just walking up and rolling the ball, you run back and forth in front of the lane before That's you actually how I do, do anything. It. That's exactly how I do it. Picture, <laughs> I want to pay a gentle listener, if you're listening on the, in your car at home, picture a snow white background, okay? And in the middle of the snow white background, you got two large red uh, vertical lines that form the alley of the bowling lanes. And then at the bottom of the screen, on either side of those lines, you have numbers that will are giving you the scores. And then in between the lines, that's where your bowling pins are. And the bowling pins look suspiciously like little Atari joysticks. They're quite, which I found sort of amusing. I'll be honest with you, but I I like it, man. So <clears throat> of course, what is bowling? Well, the object of this is to knock out as many pins and ten frames of bowling. Pretty simple. Um, the ball is a red ball. It comes down the left side of the screen, like a, a presumably out of the gutter, right, Brent? You know, like ball yeah, return. Yeah, it's a ball return. And then yeah. like Brent said, I mean, he he sort of nailed it. The ball, once it gets down to the where it's in the lane, uh, it will it will kind of go back and forth. And then once it gets to the point where you're ready to launch that sucker, you push up on your, on your little joystick. Now, I played this two different ways, Brentster. I played this with the with my you know, regular joystick, you know, like the Nintendo crosshairs. Then I use the analog stick. Let me tell you something, analog stick, analog stick's the way to go on this one. It makes a big difference. And I felt like I was almost playing it on the Fairchild. Cause if you look at like an, I use, I, I use this Xbox controller here. And if you look, you know, the little mushroomy deal here on the top, it's not that dissimilar to what you've got on the, on a Fairchild controller. I believe it or not, I've actually, touched a Fairchild before i saw one at uh one of the cons i went to and i and i got the i didn't get to play the joystick but i did see it the little the little uh mushroomy thing on the top isn't round so that's one difference but still it's generally the same thing and then we're analog pretty slick so anyway once the ball once you get the ball on the screen it goes back and forth and when you push up on it the ball takes off down the alley and knocks down the pins now you can actually what I like to do is kind of curve the ball. You can put a little bit of like basically English on it, depending on how you hit forward on the on the on the little stick thing. Uh, it works. It works pretty well, uh, and uh, you can do real real well at this. Actually, <clears throat> uh, this supports. There are multiple games in the cartridge. I mean, there are there. I think there's like eight variants, and they're one and two players. I should also mention, if you're having two players, the the one player's ball is red, the other player's ball is blue, and one player's score and everything is red and blue. It also keeps track of your bowling score in true bowling fashion with numbers, strikes, and spares all listed above the uh, your numbers. In the, well, I mean, it does. It, it didn't have to do that, Brent. <laughs> You're, I know, I no, no. It's just the way you presented that information. It presents the bowling score in numbers. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah no, but also with the symbols. If you get a spare, you, you get the you get the little slash, uh, which I you know I think that's cool. You could sit down and play a game of of bowling this, and I have to say, uh, honestly, because I really thought you screwed me on this. When I'll be honest with you, and I sat down and played it, 
And it actually is is a pretty. It's not bad. I mean, is this thing you're going to play for hours? No. Uh, but you know, well, hey, listen, with 18 game variations, and I want to get into there some of these here in a minute because basically what those variations are are again split them in half. Basically, half those yeah. are just one or two player. Okay, and then what are the other? What so? What are the nine variations? Well, speed is a, is most of them, but also there's a game where you can play splits, and splits are literally they just set up random pins. And you're supposed to try to pick them up, so it's more of a a, a skill game. Oh, well, I mean, I guess bowling is skillful too, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> Something else about this game that's deceptive. Now, get this, Brent. I, I was I was wondering if you noticed this or if you played it enough. There are a lot of splits in this, just like in real bowling, right? And you, so you're thinking to yourself, "There's no pin action," and there's not. You don't see any pin action at all, but there is invisible pin action. You can pick up. Seven ten split, which I didn't do, but the other one where you have two pins on either side, I picked that up. I've picked up a ton of splits. Uh, if you hit the pins just right, the uh, the 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 uh, computer knows that you hit it in the right spot to knock down the other pin, so it just knocks it down. So it would have been cooler to see the pin slide across the screen, but hell, it's, it's still it works. At least you can actually see uh, the pin go down, so you know that it's working. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. The 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 pin action. This was. It, I mean, while like, like you said, while not animated, was pretty incredible because I thought it was uh, very fair, uh, very uh, mathematically plausible. A lot of it was, you know, when I threw something, I hit it where I thought I would pick up the spare. I did. Yeah. And anytime I wouldn't pick up the spare, I'd be like, okay, I can see that. I, I I wouldn't expect that to always work sort of affair. And then uh, another thing, which you, you didn't really go over, when you throw the ball and you can add your hook or your slice, yeah. if you find the pocket, you know, when your first ball, you get a strike and it it is hard to get right in that pocket, right where, you know, where you're normally aiming and bowling. But, it's completely possible. I I think my first game I rolled a one ninety five. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I was I could routinely bowl in the one eighties. Yeah, and then you know? I, I started screwing around because I wanted to see different pin action stuff. And uh, the the if you throw and hit the pocket, it gives you the strike. It doesn't screw you. But hitting that pocket because of where the the ball goes back and forth at the beginning is actually fairly difficult yeah uh but achievable also i tried to find ways to cheese this game to find some kind of rhythm where you, where you could get a strike get a every strike. time yeah, yeah. And, and i couldn't find it no. no i didn't spend hours but if you just hold up which is what launches your ball down the the alley uh it does not throw at the same place every time uh when your ball comes into the lane, it actually spawns randomly at the bottom. It's not always right in the center or to the left or to the right. And when it moves back and forth, you know, you there's no real way to to set up a perfect system after that happens. So the the fact that they had the forethought to not always start the ball in the same position where you could eventually figure out a system to score a strike every time. Kudos to them. I thought that was really good. Because I think, I, I I think wholeheartedly when the ball, thought I was just going to go in there and find a system on yeah. this and be disappointed. Because that's usually how it goes. I think yeah. when, when the when when the ball comes down to return and goes out into the lane, I think it picks up from where it left when you shot the last time. I think that's how it works. I noticed the same thing. And I was trying I was doing everything you did. You know what this reminded me a little bit of? Remember that Capcom bowling game with a trackball in the arcade? Yes. Where you, if if this game, if that game, if that ball moved around like this, that otherwise the feeling, I mean, you're right, the pin action in this, it, it plays a legit game of bowling. Yeah. It's not a cheese ball game. And uh did you fiddle around with the different speeds and stuff or the or the different I, I, or the, I mean minimal. I, that kind of crap doesn't do it for well, me. Well, I mean, well, I mean, the speed does make it harder. I can tell you that. Oh, but, it, yeah, it makes it harder, but it doesn't make it any more. I mean, it's still the same game, just right. faster. Uh, with my, did you use an analog stick to play this? 
No, I use keyboard. Did you? With the, I'll tell you, the stick made a lot of difference. It's it's funny. The ball control is weird in this. It's good. It feels good. But I, even I, I've played this thing a dozen times or more, and even I can't quite pin down exactly how it works. It just works, and you sort of know how it works when you're playing. I'd kind of hope that you could use the uh, the twisting motion to kind of put an English on the ball, but it, you, you can. I tried that. It didn't do anything. Well, I just, mean... You, that would have been kind of neat. I'm just you saying. You can spin the ball left and right as it goes down the lane. No, no, but I mean, not with the twisty thing. It's just a matter of how you shoot the ball and curve the it. The twisty thing. Remember, yeah, the, 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 the where you could twist the top of the joystick. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, 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 that would have been kind of, yeah. But overall, stunningly, Brent, I was surprised. This was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm not, a, and I will say, so there's something about the way that the, the Fairchild Channel F, uh, uh, renders these games it's of course they're real low res but the the colors are very relaxing they're they have a weird the glow to them but i don't know what it is but they they're it's you a see, softness when you see yeah when you see a, a fairchild channel f game or an F, fairchild channel f2 or grandstand when you see it you can instantly know what it is because i don't think i've ever seen anything that looked quite like yeah the way yeah. these look it's a very strange thing uh, to look at now, get this, Brinster. I uh, found some reviews of this, believe it or not. I went over to Moby. The Moby users give this game two and uh, two thir- 2.4 out of 5. Not too good. But then again, there you go. The video game critic, who rev- this guy reviews modern in a modern day, but old stuff. He gave this game a 91. And he said, Bowling on the Fairchild is a solid title that goes beyond the Call of Duty. But the best part is you can play 10 frames in under two minutes. Also a good point. This is like, you know what this would be? This is like a mobile game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You could put, I bet my bottom dollar that you could get your phone and find this game when, uh, uh, probably 50 times on an app store. Just something where the ball goes back and forth and you just flick it when you want to you know, hit the ball. It's that kind of game. It's a quick pickup game. It doesn't require a lot of thought. You go in there and bowl. Uh, I looked this up on the eBay, by the way. Believe it or not, uh, I, I found this game. It was uh, $30 US. So that's a comp- complete in box. So, oh, wow. I've yeah. Now, a lot of, I've a lot of a game, games. This isn't a game that I, I would, you know, hunt down to go emulate on the system uh, the, or emulate the system for. But if I owned a Fairchild, I would probably seek this game out to purchase yeah. it. I would because, actually go. I would go get this to play. I think it's good enough to where you. I think it's it's a fun because it's not emulating the 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 Fairchild systems. Isn't difficult unless you want to try oh, the yeah, video. I mean, brain. you can play yeah. it on archive.org right now. Yeah, and, but I mean, I think it's fun, and I think it, like I said, it's got a nice look. I mean, it's not they're not reinventing the wheel, but in some ways they invented the wheel because show me the bowling game that came out before this one is my point. I'm just well, saying, I'm you sure know, there great. is. And, and this this game does the job. It does it, and it's got good logic. Uh, and probably that F8 chip at work, uh, a, a fun game, but I had a good time with that one. Yeah, so well, it's a good game. you picked, you picked me a winner. And so I wanted to return the favor. What do you, what do you got this week? We're going to take a look at galactic space wars. Yeah. Uh, video cart number 23. And this was, uh, released in 1980. So pretty darn late yeah. in the, uh, in the cycle. Uh, well, I mean, it's cart 23 of 26, so there you go. This is considered by most uh, to be the best game for the Fair Channel. Really? And Yeah. And, I didn't and, know that. And I, and I think that's <laughs> fair. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, in the game, you pilot a spaceship, and you are out in space looking to shoot uh, different enemy crafts. And it has an animated star field, and at the bottom, you have four sets of numbers. Uh, and the first one is the important set. It, it has numbers valued zero through nine and two of them. So you've got a tens digit and a ones digit. One of those digits is mapped to the uh, X coordinate moving uh, left and right. And the other one is mapped to the Y coordinate up and down. And what those are doing is pointing you towards the enemy spaceship. So when both those numbers read zero, 
you the enemy's right in your crosshairs. That's when you fire and you blow him up and you get your score. Actually, he'd be right on top of you if it was a zero. It would literally be in the same space you're in. No, 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 no. <clears throat> it doesn't work like that. You are it, you are in your cockpit. So if they're at zero, zero, that means they are right in front of your crosshairs. It never runs into you. I never got I, zero, zero. I never even came close to getting it that close. There is no depth. That's right. what you're messing up on. There is no Z axis. It's X and Y. So when you're flying around, you're you're moving your ship left, right, up, down. You're moving the stick, and you're trying to find these enemy spaceships. Uh, and that's basically the game. <clears throat> the The second set of numbers is a timer. It counts down from 99 in game units. Uh, every time you get hit, uh, the enemy scores, and the enemy can shoot you Anytime they're on the screen. So if they're in the corner and they're sitting there for too long, or sometimes just uh, as soon as they come on the screen, they shoot you and the bad guys get a point and, uh, or several points. And then your score is based on what kind of spaceship you destroy. Uh, they are small fighters that kind of look like enterprises. Those are worth one point. Uh, battleships are worth two points. Freighters are worth three points. And starships are worth four points. So that's it, it's interesting that they have different looking ships. I think yeah. that's a they got a an Enterprise fun, and a Tie Fighter. It's like yeah, that. It, it's a fun it's a fun mix up on the game, and uh, you can you can play this for a good long while and still be entertained. I think I played maybe four or five games. I mean, I I realized what was going on pretty much immediately. And I played four or five full games, which takes about two minutes to play a full game. And I enjoyed them. I had fun doing it. Uh, what's crazy about this, Aaron, and it's unfortunate we didn't get the chance to try it out, is this could also be played two-player. Yeah, you, that's a, you, I heard that. Yeah, when you play two-player... Uh, the player one plays the game exactly as I described. You know, you're moving the ship around, all that good stuff. But the second player flies off screen and tries to avoid basically getting on the screen or just getting onto the corner of the screen to maybe get a score a hit and then flying away. So what they are actually doing is controlling the coordinates at the bottom of the screen. That's really clever. I mean, it, it's not complicated. It's something that they was probably very easy to add to the game. Yeah. And uh, that's a nice touch. The second player doesn't actually shoot uh, because that'd be, it'd be really cheesy if just every time they just ducked on the screen for one second and then flew away. Right. Uh, so the computer will actually shoot <clears throat> when you are on screen and it deems it appropriate. I would imagine that part of it kind of sucks, but you know, it is what it is. But that's not all. If that's all this game was, it would be an awesome Fair Channel F game. Fair okay? child. That, that's what I said. Uh, if that was it, it would be an awesome game because this is a very fulfilling 10, 15 minutes of gameplay. But there's a second game on the cart. And unlike bowling, which is just faster or you know, uh, uh, a gimmick-type setup. This is a completely different game. It's Lunar Lander, and it is it's a very simplified version of Lunar Lander. There's no... Uh, I mean, there is thrusting, and there is some kind of gravity pull, and you kind of drift just like you would in Lunar Lander. Uh, but it is there... And it's decent, and the whole thing you want to do here is how quickly can you land your ship. Uh, and it actually keeps a high score, so you and your base can pass the controller back and forth and see who can land it faster. Now, there is a caveat to this. Uh, the platform is always at the bottom of the screen, because it is always just... There's no other platforms on the screen except for the bottom. And... Or surface. And on that surface, the the landing pad is randomly placed. So if you get lucky, you can get a good uh, placement for the landing pad and get a really high score. I did that. I ended up landing once in nine seconds, which is ridiculous. I never even came close to doing it that fast again. But 
it's a fun little game. You've got your your delayed controls where you hit up and it takes just a split second. You have the gravity pulling your ship down to the planet where you have to thrust to overcome that gravity. But if you go too much, you'll start going high and instead of just slowing down. It's a really good Lunar Lander representation. And to find that this was just packaged in with this game, because these are two games... I, I don't know if Lunar Lander could have worked all by itself. Um, I, and I know there is another Lunar Lander type game on the Fairchild. So maybe that's why it got included into this. Uh, but I think Galactic Space Wars was a competent enough title to stand on its own. And this is like getting a whole nother bonus game right on the same cart. Aaron, what was your experience with it? Well, I will say I did not play the Lunar Lander game. I didn't, I didn't know you were going to play the both. I just yeah, I played the game. Did I picked the game? I didn't pick the cart, but I did know it was on what? there. What? Now that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Hey, I picked the game, not the cart. I didn't know it was on the cart. Uh, but I will say, uh, Galactic Space Wars. It reminds me of sort of like remedial, like uh, Star Raiders. Basically, it's it's it, it. They took out the map. There's no map. There's no star base, that stuff. But the actual combat's pretty similar. Driving around, shooting spaceships. It didn't take me long to figure out what the coordinate thing meant. Uh, it's it, I did feel bad shooting the Star Trek Enterprise, but I didn't feel bad about shooting the TIE Fighters and stuff. But it was still fun. Uh, it's not bad. I read about the two-player mode. I didn't understand exactly how that was implemented, so that was I'm glad you described that. That was kind of cool. I like that. It's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting forethought that went into that. Uh, to, to even come up with the concept of using an off-screen player too, that's pretty. That's wacky, man. Yeah, uh, so I can't even imagine uh, <laughs> how that was made. But yeah, this is an ambitious title. I mean, it, for the listen, for the system, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Like I said Star Raiders, and and of course it's many, uh, you know, eight bits and whatever. Star Raiders is clearly a superior title. Yeah, but this does. Uh, this is right in the same wheelhouse of that sort of gameplay, and uh, uh, it's it's good. I mean, the, the Atari had uh, was a little more advanced than the Fairchild was. Absolutely, this is not the kind of game you would expect on the Fairchild. I was surprised when I came across it uh, because I thought to myself, "Wow, they really tr- kind of went outside the box of what you see on this particular console." And so, yeah, I was I was pretty impressed with it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Is it something I, I now personally? I think it's more impressive than bowling, but I think bowling is more fun just because it's a it's a bang bang operation, and you could go around hunting forever in this thing before you find something. Now they'll find you eventually. <clears throat> yeah, I, 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 I completely disagree with that. Not that bowling or or this was less fun. Finding the enemy is all about using the coordinates, right? So there's there was no like, oh man, I've been hunting for like twenty seconds, I can't find anybody. No, the challenge of this uh-huh. game is. <laughs> If you just go left and right independently and up and down independently, you can always find the the enemy ship in a moderate amount of time. And we're still talking 10 seconds, right? What is (laughs) nice about this game is once you start understanding how the coordinates work and you can start using the diagonals, you can get to ships faster, which means... You can get more ships, which means your score is higher. And that is what's so sweet about this game, is you can improve your skill of it uh, with multiple planes. The very first time I played, I did horrible. I lost. I lost the computer. And then I started figuring out you know, what was happening, how the coordinates worked with the left, right, and up, and down. And then I, I, I won pretty handily. And then I realized if I can use my diagonals when it's appropriate, I can really start getting this score high. So I evolved as I evolved my play style, which is exactly what you want from a game like this. Yeah. Uh, so I really appreciate how they did it. It's no, there's no luck involved. Uh, you can sometimes take multiple shots from the enemy, which is kind of kind of dumb. I mean, they could be on the screen for a millisecond and shoot you. But as long as you're consistent, uh, you can always beat them. You know, you can always have a higher score. 
so they don't cheese you out too hard, but it is it does kind of suck sometimes when you get shot and you don't feel like, like you should. All right, go on with your view. No, it, it is all uh, you got to. You're right. I mean, I, listen, I would stagger around for a while before I found a guy, but I was going all willy nilly. You're right. Once you narrow it down, and I learned this pretty quick. Once you narrow it down between moving up and down and left and right, and, and uh, just start to learn how to use those coordinates, it's it becomes less difficult to find some uh, some guy. But I will say, I went to the bathroom one time, I left it on, and eventually, I, I just can't. I mean, it, it was about. 10 and went that for five minutes. I eventually did get just killed outright before I even while I was not even playing. So, well, they, when you run out of time, the game's over, right? And, no, but they were, the, yeah, the right. That's what I mean. But they were, they were you so much that they were he will roll me. his score, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's exactly that's what happened. I could hear it while I was in the other room, I could hear it get lit up, so it's kind of neat, but yeah, uh, an ambitious title. And I'll have to go back and check out Lunar Lander. I didn't check that one out. That I love that the arcade, I'm a big fan of that game. Uh, you yeah. know, hey, did you did you get a price or reviews or anything on yours? Uh, I didn't. I the all the reviews uh pretty much are modern reviews, and they all say the same thing. This is this is the best game on the system. Now, I'll, I want to throw a few more things in here real quick. Yeah, Aaron. please. This game was released in 1980, and when you compare it to other games on other consoles that released in 1980, this game's garbage. It's just the way it is because the Fairchild didn't have the ability to push what Atari or some of the other consoles were doing at the time. So keep that in mind when I say this. Uh, <clears throat> I played a lot of Fairchild uh, yesterday. Yeah. And this is by far the best game in the system. Uh, everyone who does those reviews are dead on. Uh, it, it is fun and you get to learn. Uh, also, the eBay price absolutely reflects this. If you want this uh, cart loose, you're paying about 80 bucks. And if you want this complete in box, uh, double it up. It's about $161. Wow. The box so, is cool looking too. Yeah. I mean, that tells you that, you know, this is the game to have with the system. Do I think you should emulate? Uh, the Fairchild to go play this, yes. Do I think you should own this cart if you own the system? I do. Do I think it's worth $160 or $80? No, but with a caveat. If the Fairchild is something that you grew up with and you remember and you haven't played this game, you have to go get this game at pretty much any price because this is the pinnacle of what the system was. This was the absolute top. So, I mean, there you go, Aaron. I, I think that you picked me an absolute winner with <laughs> the, two, the two games on the same card. Is this more fun than bowling? I think it is. Because yeah. uh, I like that my skills evolved. Uh, bowling, I just spent the whole time trying to break it. This, I actually tried to get better. I so will say, go. I will say, in, in full disclosure, of course, we spun Bizarro uh, last week, so it means we had to pick each other's games. And I told Brent, I was like, well, since we had to, we're not doing the, the console I thought we were. We don't, we can avoid that, but Brent demanded it. All right. So we had to pick each other's games. So I was going to the library, stuff to pick him. And I saw a title. I was like, you know, this looks interesting. I'll send this one over to Brent. And Brent rightly said this. He goes, and I had looked at our old show to see what we played, and I still picked a game that we'd already played. And so Brent's like, you're an idiot. So I actually picked, <laughs> well, do you remember what that game was? It was one of the games we did on the Fairchild Channel F show. It was pinball, the pinball game. Yeah, whiz but ball. it was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, that's videos, video whiz ball. That's what I picked for him. So yeah, so this was my second choice. But I will say, I, I, when I looked through these, this was this was uh, one of the ones that looked intriguing to me. I oh, do this wanna, was so I, good compared to everything else. Yeah, I do want to mention, Brent, before we move out of this uh, topic, that I looked, I wanted to see what the fair, what a uh, grandstand would cost you. And I actually, believe it or not, I found someone on, e on eBay right now that's selling an admin grandstand video entertainment system, not a computer. He's been trying to sell this thing for a while. He's asking, this is in the U.S., $526 or best offer Get out. on one of these things. Well, I'm just saying, these aren't, uh, these are not as uh, easily obtainable as the. Fairchild Channel F ones are no, and, and I get that, and I understand you know rarity is that rules the day, but come on, five hundred plus bucks, get out. Well, 
it's cool looking. Hey, listen, people collect stuff and they're and they do they're crazy. They do their own thing, you know. So if that's if this is your bag, I think they're a neat looking system. Having watched one in action uh, via video, it looked like it'd be fun to toy around with. Of course, they've got you know they've got RF out. So it's that you're going to get, you know, you're getting a system of that era, you know, but, but I mean, and, and it's old, but I mean, much like a, a lot of old stuff, they just kind of keep on ticking. They keep on turning, man. That's the way old stuff is. Speaking of which, it's time to turn this wheel, my friend. Let's get it going. By I the way, that transition from yeah, a week ago. I've had to add a bunch of stuff to the wheel this week because we had to fill three spots. So we've got uh, the Jupiter Ace for our Retro Rewind. And the new pieces we stuck in were fishing games and last in a trilogy. How about that Ooh. one? And so those were recommended pieces. And we'll, if they get picked, we'll talk about who recommended them. Brent, do you have a preference this week on the wheel? Uh, type in games. Oh, are you kidding me? What are you trying to do to me, man? Here we go. Huh. Let's see what we get here. I'm getting right and close. The winner. Holy cow. The suggestion from Rob Flack O'Hara, Brent. It's Robot Madness. Robot Madness. We're going to be playing games that have robots in them, man. What do you think about that? Yeah, are, are we uh, are we going to stipulate this at all past, you know, has to be highly focused on robots? Well, I mean, how would you like to do that? I wouldn't. I hate stipulations. I say we leave it wide open and go all robot action. We could do that. Listen, I say we just open it up. As long as it's a robot game, I'm down with it. Yeah. And you don't have to you don't have to be the robot. You don't have to fight the robot. The game just has to be focused around robots. Right. Oh also no Mega Man. I was curious. I thought you liked Mega Man. I love Mega Man, but that's too obvious. Work harder. What about like so? So any obvious robot games those get banned? Is that the way no, it works? No, I'm not saying any uh, obvious ones. Just Mega Man is banned. I will I'll tell you, you, there you will can be, ban a game too. There will Go. be no one playing Rise of the Robots. That's out. That is that's I ban I ban that one. That's that's a dog. That's no good. Rise of the Robots is the wild wild west film of video games. That's the hatred I have for it. It's number one with a bullet. Uh, so, I guess next week then, Brent, Robot Madness. Now, before we go, Brent, a quick update uh, and a, a timeline on the finale for the big contest. Go ahead. Uh, well, as you, as any listener in the past, I guess, what, two months? We've been really dogging this thing. Yeah. Right? Uh, would know we are giving away a, a few prizes on the 28th, and we have our names, so unfortunately, uh, I'm sorry for all those who didn't get in. I, I know a lot of people were really trying, especially there at the end. But the names are set. We have 12 names. Now, something to note. Two of those names aren't going to be spun every time because we are going to spin. We're going to have a winner. And then we're going to remove that name and put a new name on. So next week, we will find out our 10 uh, wheel starting names we're just going to pick them at random means two people are only going to be there for two prizes and one person's only going to be there for one prize but it's the big prize so that's where you want to be so be sure to join us on uh next week on the 21st find out if your name is going to be on the starting wheel or if you're going to be one of the runner-ups so to say and then of course on the 28th we're going to give that wheel a spin for the prizes Beautiful. It sounds good. Hey, I also want to mention, because the time is drawing nigh, Brent, that uh, in just a, four, a few short weeks, on uh, March 27th, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, please join us for the International Computer Club, third meeting of the International Computer Club. It will be a happening as uh, the luminaries off of Discord and, and beyond uh, get together and talk computers and classic gaming. Uh, we've already got uh, four spots filled for presentations, and I'm sure we'll get at least uh, three or four more. Uh, so we'll have a good stock night of presentations. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, everyone's invited to participate. Uh, we will be broadcasting on Twitch. And, and if you are a, a member of our Discord family, uh, you, are more than, uh, you are more than welcome to actually get on camera with us. 
Uh, we'll be going through Zoom, although this may be the last time we go through Zoom. We maybe start going through Discord after this. Uh, but uh, uh, it should be fun. Again, that is March 27th, uh, Saturday. It should be a good time, so p- feel free to join us. Any final thoughts, Brent, before we take this thing to the house? Not a single one. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll catch you next week for Crazy Robot Madness. And until then, does not compute. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Hello to our YouTube subscribers and our Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for an amazing closing theme. Want to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at our new Patreon at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Ram, WFETKey, Rolo, Olaf Hope, Anthony Jarvis, Terry Howard, Gary Heather, John Schaller, The Slow Morris, Frodo NL, Steve Rachmason, Bernhard Lucas, Chris Folds, Mitsuyama, Jason Warns, Rob Black O'Hara, Andy Craig, Dave Velociraptor, Retroology, Hermsky, John Dykeman, Jerry Dennington, Z9K9, and Mr. B. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay, too. You can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Email it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT on Twitch. Hope to see you there.